Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're going to continue the next part of our 32 for 32 series with a look at the New Orleans Saints. 12 and 4 season last year truly looked like the most complete version of themselves that we had seen in quite some time. Came in the playoffs healthy beat the Bears in the wild card round, even with Mitch Trubisky taking away the Nickelodeon MVP award, but ultimately failed against the Buccaneers in the divisional round. Now Drew Brees, the only thing that I guess him and Peyton, but Drew Brees, longtime, obviously franchise future Hall of Fame quarterback should be out of the picture. Salary cap is a freaking disaster. We have a lot of things to talk about with the Saints ahead of next season. I brought a very special guest to help me do so. He covers the Saints at NewOrleans.Football. That's NewOrleans.Football. Love it. Who needs it.com these days. Nick Underhill. You can find him on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. Nick, thanks for the time, man. Happy offseason. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, again, a lot of stuff to talk about here with the Saints. I'm sure we'll get to the cap situation, but nobody is further over the cap ahead of 2021. Obviously, that's going to mean a lot of offseason movement. So we're going to start things off, as always, with our team needs, get a couple gut feel questions from Nick, and then finally send him on his way with a bull call. So, Nick, let's start things off with your three team needs for the 2021 Saints. Well, yeah, I mean, the first one, and you mentioned it, is getting under the cap. And I don't think it's as dire as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, there's some stuff they can do to, you know, they can get to 20 million in space and really only cut Malcolm Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, if they had a locked in quarterback, maybe you don't keep Taysom Hill around that. So that'd be one thing, but you know, that's $4 million. So they can get to 16 pretty reasonably with the way they do restructures. They're really aggressive with the way they set up contracts. And the one thing when a lot of people write these articles about them, they're doing like standard restructures and they aren't putting on three voidable years onto a one-year deal to spread out the hit like they do. Where I think the real problem is going to be is if the the situation, you know, with, with COVID and everything remains the same and the cap stays suppressed, I think 2022 is a year where there might be the real bloodletting with this team. Now, they're going to lose some guys, like I said, Emmanuel Sanders, some other people. Like There's some guys definitely in the crosshairs, but that's uh, the main thing, though. They, they got to create some space. Uh, second team need, I, th- I think it's definitely quarterback. If, if Breeze retires, and right now I'm expecting that he will. It seems like everything's pointing that direction they got to get somebody in there. I know they like Jameis Winston a lot. He he did a lot of things behind the scenes that, that they liked. He, you know, even during training camp this year, he was making throws and I've been here since 2014, say for one year, um, you know, he's making throws in camp that like, we just didn't see anybody else make during that time. Cause he has, he has a better arm than some of these other people's the decision-making and, and all that stuff. And for us on the outside, that's impossible to gauge. You know, the one thing I would say, I think maybe the, the confidence in Taysom O was a little misguided, I guess, in a perfect setting and practice where you're evaluating him, making throws and everything's clean. But, you know, he looked good and he looked good in games when he did that too. It was when things got, you know, a little bit messy and he couldn't throw off, you know, off script and everything. But the thing I would look at is the growth he made from BYU to the Saints. It's a, it's a different quarterback. And if they can take some of that and Jameis takes to the coaching in the same way, giving them a quarterback with that level of talent, maybe it can work out. And I don't know, the last one, I guess, would maybe be pass rusher. Trey Hendrickson goes, you know, they're going to need somebody else off the edge. I don't know if you start looking at Zach Bond and say, hey, let's move him back to what he did in college and and get something out of him because linebacker didn't go so great. Um, You know, I think weak side linebacker is another one. They're probably going to have to let Quan Alexander go. And Alex Anzalone a free agent. I don't know if he's the long-term answer. So there's a couple things, but if they can manage the cap and not lose a ton, I don't know if their, you know, needs are super strong outside of quarterback. 
It's, it's, it's a great point about the ways they can just cut a few guys to save a lot of money immediately. 2022 shaping up to be the rougher year. And I was looking at that, just kind of scrolling down the roster, seeing what guys could feasibly be cut and not leave any dead cap and just save them some money. And Janoris Jenkins, who they, they would have about $7 million dead cap, but they could save $7 million. And Marshawn Lattimore, they would save about $10 million. Great cornerbacks. I'm sure the Saints don't want to part ways with them. But do you think they could be cap casualties just because of how, how they are against the situation? Or is there enough room for from cutting Brown, from cutting Sanders to hopefully avoid touching those starting corners. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody could could theoretically be a cap casualty at this point, especially if you aren't looking at Marshawn and say, hey, he's he's in our plans beyond this season or, hey, these inconsistencies are, are too much to deal with. Let's see what the trade market is. That wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they made a Brandon Cooks-like trade and recouped a first-round pick or something. No. You know, I, I do think that then creates a huge hole and they got to fill it, and I, I am – interested to see what Richard could do with Lattimore. You know, you get a new yeah. secondary coach in there. And if maybe, you know, I think Aaron Glenn was really good at his job. He coached him really hard, but for whatever reason, he just never played every week. Like he was against Julio Jones or Mike Evans. And, you know, I think we all saw in some games, like he had otherworldly talent, but then it's like the other 10 or 11 where he's just kind of out there. It's, it's just okay. Now, if they can get him to that level every week, you know, that's, that's a huge come up for the team. Jenkins, yeah, he definitely could be one, but that's another guy that I look at and I'm like, well, if they don't want to create a hold, that's where you start throwing on those voidable years. Sort of like what they did with Sheldon Rankins lower his fifth year option this year. They put on a bunch of voidable years and they get that number down. So that could be a way to, uh, to keep him. But yeah, I mean, it, that could end up being a need though. Like if one of those guys have to go, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, but again, I, I think anybody's in the crosshairs, but I think, you know, I think when you look at a, at a rebuild, you're usually looking at a team that has spent money poorly and they got a lot of bad contracts. I don't think the saints have a lot of bad contracts. So if you start tearing it down, like what's the point, what, what's the end goal? Like you do got to fix it, but I think you can still compete and clear out some of that remain competitive. And then, you know, hope and pray that some fans are in the stands and the cap goes up for, for uh, 2022. Yeah, and I mean, Lattimore's defense, too. The guy's still only 24 years old. And when your responsibility in a lot of these games is tracking the number one receiver without much help, like you're probably going to give up more production than someone that doesn't have that same high level of responsibility. Sometimes with these true number one shower cornerbacks, we got to give them a little bit of a break, you know, when they do get beat by, again, key number one wide receivers at lesser cornerback wouldn't even draw that responsibility in the first place. Uh, last thing before we move on to some of the gut feel, you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders uh, potentially being, you know, just someone that could be released before a season. Could that lead to a wide receiver being, you know, selected earlier in draft than we might've thought otherwise, because we all know Michael Thomas is the one, but it would be nice to kind of get him a legit field stretcher that he hasn't really had since Brandon cooks, no offense to veteran Ted Ginn, but you know, it really has been more so of a one wide receiver offense in recent years. Yeah. It's definitely been, way too one-dimensional yeah again was good for for one year and then he fell off pretty quick and then they didn't have that element and obviously these other quarterbacks you know if you're if it's Taysom Jameis you know Jacoby Brissett who, whoever ends up as their quarterback they're going to probably be able to throw it on the field a little bit more than Brees has in recent years so yeah I think that could that could become a need for them for sure you know I think they would like to keep Emmanuel Sanders around he quietly had a pretty productive season he missed some time still put up pretty good numbers and it took him a while to kind of settle into the offense early in the year there was a lot of stuff with like timing and, and rhythm with him and this very precision based offense. And, you know, when they were running like mirrored route concepts, like in the first three, four weeks of the season, you'd see Mike Thomas, you know, doing something week one against Tampa Bay. And then like Ted's a little bit off on the other side or Ted, uh, Emmanuel's <laughs> a little bit off on the other side. So once that dialed in, I, it started to come together and then he, he had the, you know, he got COVID he was out and it was just a little bit of off and on for him all year. 
So I do think he could be really good here. It's just the financials, you know, that is one spot where maybe that becomes a luxury, but you know, I think they, again, they would like to try to keep everybody. They just aren't going to be able to. And he is someone that has that cap number where it's like, well, if they walk away, I believe it's 6 million, you know, it, it would make some sense. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly not washed by any extent. I mean, for him to no. tear his Achilles at the end of 2018, come back in 2019, play 17 games because he got traded halfway through the year. And then in 2020, to your point, still have a more than solid season. Absolutely fantastic from Manny Sanders. Self-proclaimed diva, but I mean, what's wrong with wanting the ball more? I don't <laughs> see any issues with that. I think sometimes those guys get a bad rap. Great stuff, man. So again, that was a quarterback and then just getting some of, uh, you know, these Malcolm Brown and Manuel Sanders potential guys down to help ease up the salary cap and then pass rush if uh, Henderson ends up being gone as the three main team needs. Now we're going to move on to our gut feel round. Again, Nick and I are recording this on February 5th. Obviously, you know, one trade, one big move could change things, but just as things stand right now, want to get your thoughts on the following topics. And the first one, easy enough, Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. How do you see this battle, battle unfolding or do you see someone else coming in? Because I heard you mention Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I, I would have to go with Jameis. Uh, I, I think that's the guy that they want to have. You know, Sean... Peyton does not lie during the offseason. Like every every year he goes out and he tells everybody exactly what he's going to do. And then the reaction is always smoke screen, smoke screen, smoke screen. <laughs> I don't know if it's a long con and it's, you know, he's he's playing it like he, he does during the season and he's setting things up to go off tendency five years later or something. But, you know, it, it could be, but, but he seems very open about, about wanting Jameis back and to be the guy. But again, if they're going to set their price and if somebody throws a crazy number at him, you know, they move on and start looking at other options. So I do think it is going to be Jameis. So in, in, you know, their perfect world. Okay. And so makes sense. And that seems to be what the reports have been, even with Breeze, you know, telling Jameis is his team after he walks off the field. And uh, I, I saw a fun quote on uh, Kevin Clark from The Ringer. He had Sean Payton on, on his uh, a slow news day segment, which are always fantastic. And he basically asked Sean Payton to defend his feelings on Taysom Hill. Payton basically says athletic profile would make him desirable to all 31 teams if they made him available for a trade, could play him at linebacker, safety, tight end, QB. Man, do you buy this or is this Peyton just really defending his love affair with Taysom Hill? Which, you know, I'm not trying to hate on Taysom. To your point, he improved so much after BYU. He was the best player on the field in that Vikings playoff game. He can do big things, but man, like a $16 million cap hit. Is this just Peyton defending this guy or do you think he like does? Is, 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 is the Saints offense worse with Taysom Hill part of it, basically? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, call 888-532-3500. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. Ah, man. Well, first of all, like, I, I agree with it. Like if, if he gave up on quarterback and wanted to be like a strong safety, I would love to see it. Like, I would just love to see like Taysom lighting guys up over the middle of the field. He, he already does it when he's running the ball because he, he just, he's like a one direction guy, but yeah, I think he could do a, a lot of things, you know, um, 
I don't know. You know, there, there's parts of me sometimes when I watch these games and he gives them the ball and it's just like, you know, like just like Alvin run that, like, yeah. you know, they, it makes more. So you have this running back, but I do think that, you know, th there are things that they do with him that, that set up other things. I do think that teams have to spend time on him. You know, all that stuff does matter. Is he worth $16 million without the upside of being a starting quarterback? No, probably not. But they, they paid him the weight his turn. They had to find out. I think they found out negatively. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't pay him $16 million to be, you know, a part-time tight end, run the ball a few times, you know, have some gadget plays or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I do know that they love him as a football player. If it's not quarterback, I think you, if you get that price way down, he does have a lot of value. Like another team, if you could trade for him and get him for $4 bucks, I think a lot of teams probably would want him on their team for that price. But it's 16 you know, obviously that's really high if he's not going to be your starting quarterback. Yeah, in fantasy football, we like to say, you know, we never hate players. We just hate their average draft position. Same thing with the NFL. None of us hate Taysom Hill, but $16 million associated with it. That's when things start yes. to get a little bit quirky. All right. I want to talk about Michael Thomas. Cause we've said before you, you said about Jameis that, you know, you guys just literally haven't seen saints quarterbacks making the type of throws that he was making out there. And I feel like Michael Thomas, I mean, he's getting called slant boy every other day on Twitter sphere, probably every day for all we know, but it's, I think it's unfair, man. The guy breaks the NFL record for receptions in 2019. You want to call him a slant boy. So you're saying that he's one dimensional, but no one could stop it anyway. I think it could have more to do with the fact that he's had Drew Brees, not, you know, king of arm strength over the last couple of years. And, you know, Taysom Hill, part-time tight end, throwing the ball. It's weird to say someone could have a higher ceiling with a different quarterback when they've already broken the freaking single season reception record. But do you think we could actually see a more complete version of Thomas with Jameis under center? Yeah. I don't know if it, if it would manifest in like a yardage total. Obviously that, that would be hard to get back to that or catches, but you go back to his rookie season, there was more stuff down the field. Like the San Francisco game in 2016, he was making a lot of plays like uh, on vertical routes. And when uh, he was out this year with Taysom, you know, Taysom has a little bit bigger of an arm. It didn't show up last year when Teddy Bridgewater was starting. Taysom has a little bit of a bigger arm. It started going downfield more and he was making more plays down the field. Um, like you mentioned that, you know, people get on him about the slamps. The record-breaking season, you take the slants away, he still leads the league in, in yardage. So, I mean, I, I don't even understand that that criticism. Like, I get it if, you, if you're starting to, like, rank players, but, like, I don't know if that's something that you should hold against somebody. Like, if, if Shaq can dunk on you 45 times a game in the paint, like, just keep giving him the ball in the paint and let him get 90 <laughs> points. Like, it just I, – I don't get it. Like, if, if you can't stop it, just keep doing it. And that's kind of what they did, and, and Mike delivered on it. But yeah, I do. I do believe with the different quarterback, the offense changes. You know, you, you start looking at the way the Saints operated, starting in about 2015, it started getting more and more condensed. You know, a lot of their route concepts had vertical routes, and they turned them into like these giant routes, which are basically like 15 to 18 yard crossing routes down the field. And just over time, it continued to come back more and more in. And you know, I think Mike just played his role with Breeze, and and that's the player he's going to be. You know, I don't think he's going to be you know, a deep threat or anything like that, but intermediate routes, you know, more out routes down the field, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I think you'll see more of that with a different QB. Yeah. And it's just really, he hasn't had the opportunities to run those types of routes. It's not like he is and they're like not hitting them. I mean, since he's entered the league in 2016, he's had 36 catchable targets thrown at least 20 yards downfield. He's caught 33 of them. It's the fourth best rate among 64 qualified receivers. Like again, uh, he's making his living underneath, but I love the Shaq example. And yeah, no one's saying, Hey, Steph Curry, you know, quit shooting threes. If you, you don't right. like it, freaking stop it. It should be easier for you. If he truly is that one dimensional. I right, wanted uh, one more main thing about the offense because, you know, Alvin Kamara, when, 
And Taysom Hill came under center. The fantasy community was losing our freaking minds because he only had six targets in three games. Last game with Taysom Hill, he did have seven receptions and then, you know, got back to Breeze under center. If Jameis is going to be under center, would you still expect Kamara to be in that kind of 80 catch range? He went 81 receptions three straight years and only had, you know, had 83 this last year. But uh, basically, like, are you are you really concerned about uh, Kamara's pass game role without Breeze or is that, you know, locked into this offense regardless of who the quarterback is? Yeah, I think James will probably do a better job of getting to his check down than, than Taysom did. I think that that was a big issue, you know, just getting through those reads. And the thing with Taysom, like when it came to that, like do or die, and I think the do or die is a, like go to Alvin or run, like he just wasn't making those decisions quickly enough. And I think with James, you would see that, um, you know, the other thing too, in those games, if you look at Alvin's career production, like there's one big game against Atlanta and like the rest of them are just kind of like mediocre to okay. So I think they just play him really well on top of that. So you got a quarterback, like who's not getting through his reads and a team that defends a player. Well, like it just kind of took him out of, you know, a lot of those games, but yeah, regardless uh, if, as long as it's not Taysom, like if Taysom's the quarterback, I, I don't know how that would impact Alvin. I don't know if there's that growth and development and they, you know, they get them to that check down quicker, but I think Jameis or whoever else would probably go there really quickly as a security blanket. And, you know, I don't think there's a, a better security blanket on this team than just getting the ball out to Alvin and letting them make a few guys miss and, and do his thing. So I do think that, you know, with Jameis at that number would be safe for the fantasy community. Yeah. We're, we're all pulling for Jameis to win that job. Cause if not, Hey, if not, Taysom <laughs> is going to be a great, like late round QB. Cause he runs in, you know, runs it in from inside the five and stuff. And he has that, you know, we call it the Konami code. When you have that QB rushing production is basically a cheat code and fantasy land, but yeah, certainly doesn't help Alvin Kamara or those other guys. Last thing before we get your bull call, uh, I've seen some reports indicate Jared Cook could be on his, on his way out because uh, it would save about nine million in cap space. Obviously, they drafted Adam Trotman uh, highly last year, and he got more snaps as the year went on. Do you see Jared Cook being on the team next year? And if not, do you see Adam Trotman being more of a full time tight end or part of a committee? Because it seems like they've been looking for you know that next Jimmy Graham for a while. We had the Kobe Fleener experiment. Josh Hills uh, been there, and now Jared Cook. You know, mixed success. But I'm basically wondering if Cook's gone, could Trotman finally be that kind of stud tight end they've been looking for? Yeah, so I think Cook's probably definitely gone, at least at that price. They got to cut him, I think, by the second day of the league year to avoid like a $8 million roster bonus. There's no way they're going to pay him that. Like, could you bring him back on a, you know, a, a minimum deal, minimal deal? Maybe. Um, you know, I think Trotman showed a lot of flashes this year and that they do like him a lot. But I do think there is like a lot of development from what we've seen to what they would need him to be, to be the full-time tight end one. Like he could make that over the course of the off season, you know, last year rookies coming in, it, it was weird. He came from a small school. There was a, you know, a lot of development that needed to take place. And I think all those signs are positive. I think he definitely has a shot at it. I think they would like him, even if cooks back to become the guy, I don't think cooks delivered really how, how they want him to, you know, the, the big question there is like, you know, with Drew, if you're the tight end on this team and they're, they're two minute and four minute offense, like it's just, a cheat code for the tight ends. Like they're open, like the whole time through that. And you mentioned Fleener, like Fleener had like, I don't know, like six or 700 yards one year. And I'm like, I did the math on it and it was like 83% of it came in those situations where they were in the hurry up and like, there was nothing else anywhere else. And they just get those yards. So it'll be a different QB. I, I don't know how the tight end will, will fit into that, but you know, it's tough sitting, sitting here right now, like projecting Troutman is, is dangerous during training camp. If we see it, you know, yeah, obviously, but I think there's a long way to go from now until then, but I, you know, I do like his upside. 
Yeah, it's, it's always tough. I remember last year in the offseason, one of my favorite late-round fantasy picks was Jay Sternberger, Green Bay Packers, tight end, because it was a crowded situation. Robert Tunyon ends up scoring, you know, 12 touchdowns. So yeah. don't always know how <laughs> things are shaping up as it stands in February before all that goes on. Nick, great stuff. Do you have a bold offseason prediction for us before we get you out of here? Bold offseason prediction. Draft. Someone might get cut that we're not expecting. Maybe just a position they really try to address. Yeah, so I, I guess my my boldest one, I guess the one that I think I would want to see, and this is going to suck for fantasy people, but just for the Saints, like I feel like they need to move Bond back to to pass rusher and take him off a linebacker. The you know the off the ball taking a he, he was a good pass rusher in college, and they want him to play middle linebacker. Like I, I think that's quite a stretch for them. So that that would be my bold one there. You know, offensively, I don't really have one, man. Like I feel like okay. the team's kind of set and, and people know what they are. Like Latavius Murray, Alvin, you know, those are known commodities. The only bold one there would be Troutman, but I'm not comfortable making that call right now. So I'll just stick fair. with Bond and kind of duck out of here safely. <laughs> okay, fair enough, man. Well, we appreciate the time. Again, ever make sure you cover, uh, excuse me, follow Nick on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. I mean, I'm truly t- like, man, you are one of the best reporters in the business, not just Saints overall. Nick has articles out. He's done them before where he's reviewed every single Drew Brees career pass attempt. And like, sometimes I know I've read articles where you wonder if someone's watching the film. Nick is watching the freaking film, people. There's no doubt about that where can the people find your stuff nick yeah it's at neworleans.football and i'm on twitter at nick underscore underhill great stuff from nick make sure you follow him over there thank you as always for tuning in he's nick i'm me and this has been the pff fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody 